0: We're talking today on the topic, giving away your life, the key to blessing. Giving away your life, the key to blessing. This isn't something that came natural for me. It was all about consuming. It was all about making myself into something. And I was reflecting this week about this time that I'm very embarrassed about in high school. I was on student government, and we had this thing called Spring Fling, which was a popularity Contest Now, why we do these in high school is just ridiculous. We need a revival to hit our country so we stop having popularity contests, but... <laughs> I'm sitting at the table because I'm actually working the voting for this, and there was a moment where no one showed up, and I had this thought, I can rig this popularity contest. And so I started pulling out ballot after ballot, And signing my different friends' names so I could make the most popular person in the school someone. And and somehow, my student council sponsor found out. Now, let me just tell you, Christian, you're always going to get found out. (laughs) God's always going to make sure you get found out. And next thing I know, I'm heading to the principal's office. And the next thing I know, I have Saturday detention, and the next thing I know, I don't know how this happened, but all my friends found out. And so my greatest goal to be popular, all of a sudden my friends are disgusted with what I've done, and I end up sitting all alone in Saturday detention, feeling isolated and hurt and like an idiot. Unfortunately, I kept running after popularity. I kept running after just making my name great. And I still was chasing after this when I went to college. And I I tried an intramural sports. I I joined what I thought was the most popular fraternity. I ended up by on stage singing to thousands of people. And every time I'd finish something like that, I would just feel distinctly empty and lonely. And I'll never forget sitting down with an, an older mentor in our church that I just started attending, and he had a challenge for me. He said, Robert, the way of Jesus was different. Instead of going out and just trying to make his name great in front of the masses, he actually focused on a few. He said, I'd encourage you, Robert, to spend the last, I was now an upperclassman, he goes, to spend this last year and a half of your college career investing your life in some younger people, giving away what you have to some younger guys. And I thought it was a little crazy, but what I had done hadn't ever worked and it had never really filled me. And so I started spending my lunches and my breakfast with younger guys, just helping them, introducing them to the Bible, teaching them how to pray, taking them out to share the gospel with people. And it changed me. It had this effect of deep joy and fulfillment. Now, what I didn't know was that a couple years after doing that, that God would have an Abrahamic call for me. That he would call me to, to leave Texas, where I was from, and move to San Diego, California. And I didn't know that actually some of those young guys would move with me. They would be my kingdom team. Kendall Laughlin, who was just on stage, had come as a, as a die jet, black hair, alternative rock college student. <laughs> not quite the guy you, you just saw, and, and he would come with me. Jonathan Lair, who, if you were at the commission conference, he's leading. He was leading All People's Tijuana. He was on that video. Now he's leading All People's South Bay. Joel Sanders, he's here as one of our elders. He had been our, our, our youth pastor. Now he's a businessman in the city. But what I also didn't know is how these guys would be for me in my time of need. You see, our church was only about fifty people. We had just started when when some people actually turned against us and and, and and the enemy was trying to to take out this this church and and man, we were in a financial hardship i i 'll never forget actually pulling up the cushions on my couch looking for spare change for my lunch money that day and and, and then we had one adult in the church. Like there was one guy older than us. And so I drove to his house to meet with him. And wouldn't you know, he tells me I'm in a dark depression. I'm like, dude, you're my one dude. I need you to be stable. (laughs) (laughs) And so I'm driving home with all these challenges. I'm driving in my car and that's when it happened. I start having a panic attack. And I don't know if you've ever experienced anxiety or panic, but my vision literally starts... Closing in on me. It's, it's black. My, my heart starts beating out of control. I'm, I'm breathing deeply and I'm thinking, I'm going down. And I'm like, man, I, I got a call. And I, and I called those guys. I called, and, and, and immediately Jonathan and Kendall said, hey, we're coming to get you right now. We're getting you out of here. And, and they packed up and, and some food and some sleeping bags, and we went out to Mount Laguna. And they just, we went out in the country, and Jonathan pulled out his guitar. And they just said, we're going to worship. We're going to seek the Lord. We need God. And it was one of those times, I've had a few of these times in my life, where the presence of God just falls. And you'll know if you ever experienced this. And actually, we couldn't stand. It wasn't in some church service or even some conference. We're at a campfire, and we're all on the ground, and joy just floods me. And that depression and anxiety just lifted and I'll never forget it as long as I live. And what I learned is when you give your life away, you get so much back in return. You know, God wants you to give your life away. Through this weekend, we've heard of missionaries to northern India. Leanna with us and just had such a great word. Thank you so much, Leanna, last night. God's using her. Ricky shared about what God's doing In South Africa, in the townships, we heard of Miguel and how God's moving in these closed countries and how they're rescuing prostitutes and and people in sex slavery and migrants and and giving them new life. But I want to tell you, God wants to move just as powerfully in San Diego, California. There are captives, there are hurting, there are broken people that desperately need a touch from God and they need you, the church, to give your life away. And so that's where we find ourselves as we continue to march through Abraham's life. We're in Genesis chapter 13 and we're going to see a huge shift in Abraham from last week where he was doing things like, like I was, where he was trying to promote himself and protect himself. Now we see something very different starting in verse 5. It says, Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. So if you remember from this study so far, Lot was Abram's nephew, and he had gone on the long journey from Ur the Chaldeans in Iraq, All the way to Canaan, which is Israel, he had moved. And by being with Abram, he had been blessed. And his prosperity had grown. And it says this, But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at the time. So Abram said to Lot, Now watch this, church. Watch how much Abram's heart and how much his life has changed. Abram says to Lot, hey, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you, so let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered like the garden of the Lord like the land of Egypt this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east the two men party company Abram lived in Canaan while Lot lived among the cities and plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now this is just amazing to me because last week we saw a famine come and Abram takes this disastrous detour and comes up with his own plan and he manipulates things and he even hides behind his wife to save his life. And he's, he's trying to just take matters in his own hands and, and, and it's very selfish and it's very self-focused, even hiding behind his wife. And now we see a totally different Abram. He looks at Lot and says, I, I, I want us to have a peaceful and joyful relationship. So Lot, you take whatever land you want. I mean, you see all this, wherever you go, you can have it, have all you want. And, and I'll just go to the other. You see how different he is now. You see how much he's changed. And this is point one. If you're taking notes, which I always encourage you to, one of the keys to giving away your life is we learn to prefer others. We actually learn to prefer others. And this is is not what we're taught growing up in America. You watch the advertising industry. It's you deserve a break. You should get this. You should treat yourself. Don't you deserve this? Aren't you worth it? And the Bible teaches us prefer others. And this is what you see now in Lot's and Abraham's life. Abraham had all the reason in the world to say, hey, Lot, you know, you, can, you came along with me. I'm actually the one that has the promise from God. Like, the only reason you're here, Lot, so, so hey, you know, why don't you go over there and take that little piece? I'll, I'll share a little. No, Abraham says, you take the best. He goes, I, I, I want you to succeed. This is God's heart. This is God's desire for us as the the church in America. Let me tell you that you will actually fulfill your destiny when you look to the destiny of others. This, This is the heart. Abraham was the uncle, Lot was the nephew. Let me tell you, older people in the church, when we start giving and we start looking to the next generation, that's actually when we are going to get blessed. And I'm not just saying, okay, if you're over 50 or, or, or whatever age. I'm saying high schoolers, when we're looking to, to junior hires, junior hires. when you're looking at kids, when, 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 when young couples, you're saying, I, I want to invest in, in college students. College students, you're looking at, at the high schoolers and, and on and on and on. There's always someone younger. There's always someone newer in the faith. And this is what changes life. You, you will learn to be so fulfilled. This is what I, I was learning at the end of college. I love what the book of uh, First John says. He says, I have no greater joy than seeing my children walk in the truth. These weren't his own kids. These were just people in the body of Christ that he was investing in. You were made to invest your life in someone else. And, and I think there's a reason why we go into church and there's so many people that look like they've been sucking on lemons, Right? Because it was all about me. My Christianity is all about me. I sure hope the pastor has a good word for it. I sure hope the music is good. And of course we want that for you. But the purpose of church is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And it's actually this paradox of when you give your life away that you get so much more. Now, now here's the crazy thing that we see that happens. It, it, it says this. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him. Look around from where you are, to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see, I'll give to you and your offspring forever. I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust and your offspring could be counted, go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I'm giving it to you. Before, God had said, hey, I'm going to do some great stuff. But now, he gives, he prefers Lot, and God shows up again and says, now look, I'm giving you all this. You can't outgive me. You just gave away, I'm gonna give you so much more. God wants to meet you. When you start looking to others, God starts looking to you. God starts looking to you, and that's the the heart and the desire of this church. So so what happened? What happened in Abram that that last chapter, he he was just trying to save his backside and hiding behind his wife? Here's what I find. This is what happened. Look at the verse before all this. What had happened in Abraham's life? Well, remember, he had turned away from Egypt. He had gotten off his wrong path. And it says he comes back, and it says where he had built his first altar, then Abram called on the name of the Lord. Let me show you a simple equation, church. How do you learn to start giving your life away? How do you give yourself away? This is what I find. When you start calling on the name of the Lord, you actually start spending time with God. Time seeking God equals... Focus on others greater than me. It, it, it's crazy. Most days, I don't know about you. Most days, I wake up thinking about me, right? I'm not. I, I'm not thinking about the, you know, the this this person on the other side of the world. I'm, I'm most days. I'm not even thinking about Steph, and she's right next to me. I'm thinking, man, coffee. That's what I'm thinking. Coffee, you know, and more sleep. But when I spend time with God, it's crazy. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. And all of a sudden, God's reminding me about my wife, about her needs. God's reminding me about my kids. God's reminding me about different ones of you. Some of you had the experience where, 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 and I, you know, this is too big for me to know everyone, but sometimes you probably heard me come up and say, hey, I was praying for you this morning. Why? It's because I was spending time with God, and he starts reminding me of other people. But here's... The contrary to that is less time or no time seeking God equals focus more on me than others. It's crazy. You spend time with God, husbands, it's the greatest gift you can give your wife. Because while you're doing that, you're just, oh, Jesus. He's like, hello. Remember your wife. You're like, oh, yeah. Right? Remember your children. Remember your friend, remember your roommate. You say you wanna love me, then bless your roommate, bless your boss, help your coworker, help your fellow classmates. That is what God does in our life. I, I think about my, my in-laws are, are this great picture of giving their life away, of preferring others. My father-in-law was a very successful transportation attorney. My mother-in-law had her own baking business and God apprehended their life, and they said, we want to go deeper. We want to we jump in deeper. And so they did the training school. And they spent, they said, we're going to make a midlife change, and instead of just trying to invest and accumulate, we want to give our lives. And they ended up discipling so many people in this church. And I was on a walk the other day with my father-in-law, and he said, you know, you get to your 70s, and you realize how temporal things are. You realize how how much stuff it really doesn't matter that much, and what matters is people. And he said, "I've realized that people are my inheritance." And he started talking about our friends that were sharing this weekend, who are who are missionaries in the Middle East, and 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 how they are his inheritance. And I'll never forget when they walked up to Steve and, and, and Jeannie, and they said, "We would not be doing what we're doing if it wasn't for you. In fact, we wouldn't even still be married." And they said, "We are your fruit." And so. Steve was telling me, he goes, you know, as, as amazing things are happening in the Middle East and people are coming to Jesus, he goes, I like to think of that as my inheritance. You know, that's what you want. You can't take couches to heaven. You can't take flat screens with you. You can't even take cars to heaven. You can't take, you're not gonna, you're, the day you die, your bank account, it goes to someone else. But what you can take is people. And I wanna look to my right, and my left, and just have a bunch of people next to me. I want. I want to have a cheering squad, right? And we're going to do that. We're going to sing that song that was, you know, and do that dance. That um, people are eternal. We start by preferring others, but now let's watch what happens next. It says this in Genesis 14, move with me to Genesis 14, verse 11. So we, we move to the next chapter. In the beginning of the chapter, you didn't miss much. It was kind of like a list of, of all these kings that are in the land and over their cities. And then the, some kings come together and, you know, do what kings do. We're gonna, we don't have enough. We're going to go raid some other country. It's been happening all of time. And so that's what's happened. And so Genesis 14, says the four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food, and then they went away. This is what happens in the world, right? It's, it's, there's selfishness. We're always trying to take, we're trying to destroy. It's very different than the kingdom. They also carried off Abram's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. A man who had escaped came and reported this to Abram, the Hebrew. Now, Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre, the Amorite, a brother of Eshcol and Aner, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abram heard this, that his relative had been taken, he called out 318 trained men born in his household and went in pursuit as far as Dan. During the night, Abram divided his men and attacked them and he rooted them pursuing them as far as Hoba north of Damascus he recovered all the goods and brought back his relative lot and his possessions together with the women and the other people now this is so powerful because this is what we're called to point to in giving your life away we are called to rescue the captives we're called to rescue the captive. I felt it yesterday morning in our Saturday morning session when Miguel started talking about rescuing the, the, the people out of sex slavery and rescuing these migrant children who were getting ravaged by evil and, and helping people and giving them clothes and pulling them out of this thing. And, and man, if you were here, there was not a dry eye in the place. I have never heard so many sniffles in a message. Why? Because God has put it in your heart to be a rescuer. And, and and here's the thing: you don't have to go to the far ends of the earth to find people who need rescue. They're living on your street. There are ones that are being ravaged by the enemy. They're destroying their minds with drugs. They're being abused. There be, people are being trafficked in our city. People are, there's never been a higher suicide rate among teens. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And so let me just talk about kingdom theology for a second because you've got to understand this theme throughout the whole Bible. Kingdom theology, one-on-one on rescuing, number one, you've got to understand there's a real enemy. There is a real enemy. Do you believe that there is a real devil? Yeah. See, I think everyone in here would believe there's a real Jesus. Even if you're not a Jesus follower, you're just listening to me today, you wouldn't disagree that Jesus was real, right? It's in the Bible. It's in all these historical accounts. So we mark all of history, B.C. and A.D., by the life of Jesus. But Jesus said there's a real devil. Jesus. So if you believe Jesus, you have to believe. He said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. It says the, the, the thief Ro- ro- stalks around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour now this is what you've got to understand secondly is the enemy whose name is satan took over the world see so many of us we were like well why do if god's if, if god's really good why do bad things happen to good people easy because satan became the prince of the world Right, if, if you don't believe me, just look at this. Now, first of all, we know that, that God had given authority to Adam and Eve, and they relinquished that when they decided to follow Satan and believe that God was lying. But listen, we see it in the, in the life of Jesus, Matthew 4, in his temptation, it says, again, the devil took him, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said, all this I give to you. This is Satan talking to Jesus. Is Satan saying, I can give this to you if you will bow down and worship me. So why is there genocide and rape? Why is there AIDS and cancer? Why is there COVID-19? Why do people do such horrible and heinous things to each other? Because Satan has taken over the world. But here is great news. Here is great news, point three, only the church has the power to take back what Satan has stolen. This is why the church is so important. I grew up thinking the church was just kind of a Sunday social club, kind of a, 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 a place to learn etiquette and manners and to be a little sweeter and a little pure. No, the church is the army pushing back the minions of hell. The church is on a all-out rescue mission. Jesus said this in Matthew 16. But what about you? He asked us this normal guy named Simon Peter. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Who is the church? It's all those who believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. They put their faith in him. And when we do that, we become part of the church. And then listen to what he says about the church. He says this, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. There's one thing that hell cannot overcome, and it's the church. It is the church. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. You see, when Jesus died for our sins, and he rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death, he was given back the keys to the earth and he gives it to the church and he says now I'm distributing my authority and power to you ordinary people filled with the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit now go on a rescue mission and ransom and and steal back from the enemy people that are having their lives decimated and that's what we are called to do you know I I'll never forget, Steph and I, as a newly married couple, early 20s, we come back from our honeymoon and we go on a mission trip. And, and this is why I say, come with us. Come with us on mission. It will just make sense of all of life for you. You'll just see God moving. And we, we went over uh, to, to Southeast Asia and we were with our, our, our friend Jim. And, 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 you know, you think about a mission trip. Oh, maybe you're going to, like, build a little house for one sweet people or, or do a little puppet show or, you know, paint something. No. Jim took us, we go in the back of a truck, and we land in the heart of the city, the city known for prostitution, alcoholism, drug addiction, and there is his young people, and they've set up, and they're doing this this concert in the streets, and everyone is just dancing with this joy, but it's not to like, you know, uh, whatever music, I can't even think of the word ick, and um, they're not doing ick dancing. They're doing like joy dancing. I'm like, the, the, the presence of God has come to the street and people are coming to the Lord on the streets. And then we follow Jim. He, we're in the back of the truck. He's on his motorcycle. We, we go into a prostitution camp where they're having a a, a house church for prostitutes. Then we go into the prison where they're having church, and all of these prisoners, they don't look like these hardened prisoners. The joy of the Lord, the sweetness of God is on them. And then we go to a small group, and it's all of breakdancers. And I'm saying, this is what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to invade every sphere of society, every group of people, and bring the joy of the Lord to a hurting and broken and hopeless people. And I've seen that in this church, seen that through some of you. I, I saw a, a woman come in who, who, who had been uh, ravaged by the, the, the sex industry and, and be pulled out of that and given a home, actually a, a place to live, and her life got transformed. She got discipled. Now she's in a healthy, holy, godly marriage in a free lifestyle. That's the church That's what we're called to do. I saw a a mother that came into our food distribution ministry and her husband had just left and she had all these kids and she was was broken and she didn't know what to do. And she not only got food, she got prayer for healing and she had a place where she felt loved and just wept because she realized she's not alone. And then the church showed up and gave all of her, her kids a great Christmas. That's what the church is called to do. I've seen the demonically afflicted set free. I've seen people that didn't have fathers come in, and, and they had actually been on the street and come in, get transformed, and re-fathered, and given new jobs, and now they're serving the Lord fruitfully in different places of the world. That's the church. That's the power. When the church starts understanding, our mission is to rescue the captives. What happens next? Is this, it says, after Abram returned from defeating Kedor Lamor and the king. Aren't you glad you're not a pastor today? Kedor Lamor and the kings allied with. Okay, did you see that? He defeats a bunch of kings. He's a, little, he's a refugee from a different country with 318 men, and he defeats four kings and their armies. So many times we think, I could never do that. I'm just, I'm a little me. I'm not even from here. I don't know. I, no, with God, all things are possible. Yeah. With 300 men, he defeats four kings and armies. And what happens next? It says this, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine he, Melchizedek, was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heavens and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. The Abram Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. So you got to focus in on Melchizedek for a moment and understand that in Hebrew, his name means king of righteousness. And if you look, I'd encourage you that want a deeper study to study Melchizedek in scripture, because you find out that he's the king of Salem, which Salem actually became Jerusalem. So he's the king of Salem. And it says about him that he had no beginning or end. So who is Melchizedek? We believe that Melchizedek was a a, a pre-incarnation before Jesus came as a baby. He actually shows up just for a moment in Abraham's life. And so let me just say, this is what happens when you get busy preferring others and, and, and rescuing captives, Jesus shows up. Guys, this is one of the reasons why I'm always going on mission trips. Uh, partially, it's selfish because I always meet Jesus there, right? And some are like, no, that, you know, that's not me. I'm a beer. I just want to sit at the feet of Jesus. And I always love to say, but Jesus' feet are always moving, so you got to keep up. You want to you, you just be with Jesus. Well, Jesus is always going here. And going there. That's what he did. And, I, and you're always meeting him. So, so Abram goes on this crazy rescue mission. And what happens? Jesus shows up. And Jesus blesses him. This is the first time we ever see communion. He shows up with bread and wine. He's already showing us, the bread is my body. The wine is my blood. And he's the king of Salem. We are already seeing, oh, he's going to be the king that rules and reigns eternally from Jerusalem. And then what is the response? This is point three. You want to give your life away? Then give to Jesus and his kingdom. You want to give your life away? Then prioritize giving to Jesus and his kingdom. And what does Abraham do? He gives the first tenth that he has. He gives it back to Jesus. Man, I am big on the tithe unapologetically. Why? Because it shows Jesus and it shows us that he's first in our life. You want to put him first in your life. And some people say, well, that was just a part of the law. Uh-uh. This is before the law was given. And you say, oh, well, Jesus abolished it. Uh-uh. Because in the Gospels, Jesus says, hey, Pharisees, you give the 10% of your, your cumin and your, and your rue and, and, and your resources, but don't neglect mercy and justice. He goes, you should have done the, for, the former, which is tithe, without forsaking the latter. No, this principle of putting Jesus first in your finances—it's critical. And let me just tell you, a lot of Christians—they're bombed, they're hurting, they're in financial disarray because they haven't prioritized giving to Jesus. You need your finances in order. Give your first ten percent to Jesus, and watch what He does. You can't outgive Him. I'd encourage you to give a lot more than ten percent. We try to get to give more because you can't outgive God. I I I, I love how in this church we have all these testimonies of, of people. You know, I, 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 we talked about Jonathan Lair that was in that video. He and his wife, they had two cars, and, and they had a friend that came back from the mission field, and she didn't have a car. And they were like, well, certainly we could make it on one, so they give her a car. And you know what? That two days later, someone calls me and says, hey, we're, we need to give a car away. It was so much nicer than what Jonathan had it away. He goes, do you know anyone who needs a car? I said, yes. In fact, Jonathan did this yesterday. He received I, I've seen people give their house away and get a nicer house. I've seen people, I've seen business people, they start hiring. They're like, okay, we're going to position our business to, to, to just help you, Lord, and to bless your kingdom. And all of a sudden, I, I talked to a guy last night. He goes, I, I have more business than I've ever had in my life. Because I used to celebrate if I got one new client a week. I got seven last week. You can't outgive God. But that's not why we do it. We do it to show him you're first. You're first. Because I want to love you with every part of me. Not just my, my worship. I want to put my finances because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. But watch this. Watch this last thing. It, it says this. The king of Sodom <laughs> said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. I mean, that's a crazy thing. You start preferring others, and you're going to start finding yourself having more favor with people. Why? Because you reap what you sow. It's a simple principle of the kingdom. You're going to reap what you sow. Look at verse 22, though. Watch what Abraham does. This shows you how much Abraham's changed. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, and this is my last point, With raised hand, I have sworn an oath to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. Now, am I saying never accept anything from someone? Of course not. No, that's how God works. But he knew the king of Sodom, this is the epitome of the world. There's all kinds of junk there, and and I am going to trust in God, not the world. Christian, you got to put your faith in God. The world's going to say, if you just bend this rule, or if you just cut this corner, if you just cheat here, or if you just get in this business, and you're like, but I know that business violates the Bible. No, even when it seems impossible, trust in God. That's the fourth point. The way to give your life away to others is you got to be free, and you got to put your full trust in God so you don't get manipulated by others. So you're not looking to others as your source, you're looking to God. And so he says, nope, not going to take it. He goes, not even a thread or a strap of sandal, so you'll never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and share the belongs to the men who went with me. Trust in God and not the world and see what he will build in your life. Men and women, Jesus said it this way, if you try to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for my sake, you will find it. What's the next step you have today? What can you do this week to honor God in giving your life away? This is a commission that's for all of us. Let's stand up.